Turkey's Hagia Sophia, once the largest Christian cathedral in the world, is a mosque once again. It was converted from a church to a mosque more than 500 years ago, and then became a museum in 1934. Now the call to prayer, the World Heritage Site. And after a Turkish court ruled last week that it could be converted to a mosque once again, Turkish President Erdogan said, quote, Revival of the Hagia Sophia is a sign towards the return of freedom to the Al-Aqsa Mosque in Jerusalem. Well, joining us with more is retired U.S. Army Lieutenant Colonel Sargas Sangari. Mr. Sangari is running for Congress in Illinois' 9th District, but he's here today to talk to us in his role as the CEO of the Near East Center of Strategic Engagement, and he knows the region well. He's an Iraq War combat veteran, a former member of U.S. Army Special Operational Forces. Sargas, thank you for joining us. So first I want to ask you what you make of Erdogan's move to convert the Hagia Sophia into a mosque. What's really behind all of this? What do you think? It's good to be here, Gary. Erdogan's uh, move is similar as it has been for years, as he was allowing ISIS to move through his borders into Syria and also northern Iraq. He has always looked at uh, Turkey being that caliphate to come back and be able to be the elite for Islam throughout the globe. And he has to take these certain steps. Of course, he took these steps during the time that we are, are celebrating, uh, I hate to say, the 25th anniversary of the genocide that took place in the Bosnia-Herzegovina war. So it was prime for him to take that step because a lot of the uh, northern European uh, nations do have Turkmen and individuals that are tied ethnically to Turkey that are part of their fabric. So this was a nothing more than a bold move there in order, in order to also be able to support his aggression in Iraq. He is currently conducting bombing operations in Iraq. He is uh, leading NATO operations in Libya against Russia. And it's a matter of Turkey getting back to prominence as it was in the past. I constantly hear from Kurds and Christians in Syria and Iraq that Erdogan is victimizing them as he reasserts Turkish dominance in the Middle East. So what can you tell us about that, and what should the U.S. do about it? Well, U.S. Uh, has a NATO ally in this case, and in this case is Erdogan. And Erdogan is uh, leading those battles on behalf of the U.S. against the Russians and Libya and also parts of Syria. However, at the same time, Erdogan is playing both sides. He is also working with Iran to be able to neutralize the curse that had become a pestilence internal uh, within his borders. Uh, he has expanded into Iraq. And uh, as you say, a, uh, an, you know, a friend of uh, an enemy of my enemy is my friend. Uh, him, uh, Erdogan, Iran, and also at the same time, Iraq are working together to really squeeze the Kurds to ensure that there is no internal disputes that they have to deal with as the entire region becomes bloodier in the future. Well, that's a big issue for Iraq. And you'd mentioned the bombings. Turkey bombing Iraq. What do you see happening in Iraq in the coming weeks? Well, the new prime minister of Iraq uh, will be here in the United States uh, over the next couple of weeks. Uh, he has already bucked against the Iranians, uh, given that Iran is having internal issues. Um, he has been able to at least establish himself as someone who will also go after Iranian operators within Iran. He is making changes, trying to ensure that he at the same time squeezes the Kurds by ensuring that the corruption that was leading their coffers for so many years is not going to be part of the future of Iraqi fabric. He has already taken over the border crossings in uh, Turkey. He will expand those border crossings between Turkey and Iraq and Iran and uh, Iraq 
to ensure that all the economic monies that were being lost uh, to Iraq will be returned to them. He has already struck a deal with the Kurds to ensure that at least 50% of the oil revenues that they were not being accounted for are returned back to Iraq. So, so on the issue of Iran, they've had at least three fires recently at the Natanz nuclear facility, and Trump still wants a new deal with the Islamic Republic. What is likely to happen there, Sargis? The issue is not Iran and the United States. The issue is the Shanghai Cooperation Organization, which is led by China. China has been expanding its footprint within the region under the previous administration, but it initially established a new vision for the relationship between the United States and China on the global stage. Uh, as the previous administration pulled out of the Middle East and started focusing on South America and Pakistan, uh, China was able to expand its footprint. China has even been able to expand its footprint under current administration, even though the current administration has bucked against China economically. China has still managed to squeeze India, our partner, by and also has been able to move into Djibouti, into strategic locations in North Africa. Iran's regime currently is looking at possibly being squeezed by sanctions to tune of $400 billion pretty much sell Iran to the Chinese regime. So regardless of who is going to be the next POTUS in the next 100 year, on 100 days, I should say, uh, China is expanding its footprint within the region, using the U.S. dollars that it has gotten from the manufacturing base that we have built for China to be able to buy influence within the region. Initially, I had written an article on backyard wars that was uh, indicating how these wars in the future are fought between major powers. Today, Iran has become a, a front porch for China rather than a backyard. Sarkis Ngari, CEO of the Near East Center of Strategic Engagement, thank you for your insights today. It's good to be here. Thank you very much.